you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times. Because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, this is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. It's uh, in acapella today, or whatever the hell they call it. So welcome, show my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. Uh, it turns out me and her just do not get along as a voice, so I need to have her do her own thing, because I just don't have that operatic voice. I'm sorry, folks. There's there's a lot of things we do on the show. We have so many brilliant minds and authors on the show. Maybe I need to invite some ballet artists on the show. Ballet. Opera. Uh, it's one of those days. Opera artists on the show, so she can they can teach us to sing opera. Uh, if you want that, send the message to me, seeing uh, author on the show. And we're excited to have him. He's got his latest book out, May 2nd, 2023. Why you feel the way you do. Understand and heal the source of stressful emotions. Renaud Purifoy is on the show with us today, and we're going to be talking to him about his amazing work. He is an internationally known author, therapist, and teacher over his four decade career he's written books that have been translated into multiple languages he has appeared on numerous radio and television programs as well as many podcasts the anxiety disorders association of america uh, the nation's primary organization for anxiety related problems is invited to speak at 11 of their national conferences uh welcome to the show reno how are you oh, i'm doing great I, I thank you for inviting me on Thank you for coming. It's wonderful to have you as well. Uh, give us your .coms. Where do you want people to find you on the interwebs? Easiest place is whyemotions.com. Uh, so W-H-Y-Y-Emotion.com. Uh, why emotions? No, it's singular. singular. Oh, why singular. Why Emotion.com. Yep. That's what I always say every time I'm freaking out about just about anything. Why all this darned emotion? <laughs> So uh, I think you've written several books uh, on anxiety and uh, anger and emotion, uh, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I, 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 like I say, anxiety and anger has been good for me. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to laugh at that. You know, uh, when, I was, uh, when I was a young person, I was, uh, severe, I was suffering from severe ADHD. Yeah. And I remember I went into the ER one time and I said, I think I have brain cancer. I think something's going on or something. And they go, no, you have anxiety. And I'm like, yeah, I have fear, uh, you know, happiness, sadness, and everything else. Like, what's your point? And they're like, no, anxiety is, is like a thing. So uh, there you go. So uh, give us a 30,000 overview of what's inside, why you feel the way you do. Well, it's it, I take people on a journey. I start off with basically talking about the seven basic emotions that we share with our pets and you know any other furry little critter out there. Mm. And then talk about how they develop into uh, triggers uh, and then mm. some of the negative and positive core response patterns that we have. And then I wrap up with the uh, three things that positive psychology talks about that make people happy in life. Ah. And so that's kind of an interesting journey as we go through all those different things. And each chapter ends with a set of recommended activities that people can do if they want to 
actually apply some of the ideas in, in, in a practical way into their life. Mm -hmm. That's part of my, my teaching background. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. So uh, you've written several books on this. What made you want to write this one specifically? Well, actually, I had, I had a, a, a publisher come to me and ask me to do a book. And uh, so I was thinking about one of the things I've always been fascinated with is just emotions and behavior and all that all my life. So I figured, well, let me take the opportunity to go and see uh, what the current research has been doing and do a book mm -hmm. on emotions. I mean, I had chickens and rabbits and dogs, cats, parrot, you know, all kinds of animals when I was little. My, both my parents came from farming backgrounds, so mm -hmm. had the only trained chickens on the block. So that was kind of cool. So, so there you go. You know, so I've always been interested in animal behavior and studied uh, in biology. That was my major was animal behavior. And then I switched over to human behavior. And, you know, I often say it's kind of a step down, but, you know, mm -hmm. uh, Animals are so easy to understand. As humans, we, we do some crazy stuff sometimes, even though basically once you understand how we're wired, it's not that mysterious. <laughs> you know, I, I have two Huskies, and I've had four now, and yeah. they have really helped me with my anxiety, with my emotional issues and stress things over the years. It's always funny how they know they know when you feel stress or when you're worried oh, yeah. about something or even if I don't feel well, you know, like, I don't know, you know, I, I've, it's a Taco Bell night and the next morning, my, I'm in the, I'm in the fetal position, you know, they'll come up in the bed and be like, Hey, it's okay. They'll snuggle with me and be cute. And yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I usually there's one on one side, one on the other laying beside me and, and it's kind of funny. And then the rest of the time when I'm feeling fine, they're just like, yeah, whatever you, you know, <laughs> Well, you know, they, they read you just like little kids read their parents. You know, it's oh. a, we, we have that ability to read people. It's just we become so dependent upon language, we tend to start dependent upon that. But we still get vibes off of people, you know, all that nonverbal stuff that goes on. And, uh, you know, animals are, that's their primary language is, is reading you and, you know, working through their emotions. So, Isn't it so funny? Um, and they seem to, they like, they kind of know, like they, they come up and I wonder if they pick up stuff off my breath. Cause they always come up and they'll smell my breath. Is that one of the ways they tell maybe by your breathing or well, and mm. body odor, you know, it's, it's like cancer patients and stuff, you know, animals, you know, there's some animals can pick that up, you know, from just stuff that we don't know exactly what they're picking up, but they're picking something up off the odor or something. And uh -huh. plus they read your body language. They, uh, you know, it's interesting. Uh, if you think about it. Uh, all mammals are, you know, like when they're angry, they kind of grit their teeth, you know, and then when they're frightened, they have a lot of similar stuff uh, in terms of expressions, which is why you can tell when your dogs are, you know, frightened or they're happy or they're angry at something. Uh, there's, there's a universal nonverbal communication that goes on there. So basically what you're saying is my dogs are coming up to me going, you need to shower, dude. Well, I mean, we're dogs and you stink. Sometimes. Uh, basically what it is. So but, there you go. Of course, they may like the gross stuff, you know. <laughs> I don't know. They're probably like, hey, you smell pretty good, man. You're just like one of us. You're just smelly old nasty dog. Yeah, well, um, what's, what's with all this perfume stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, why, why'd you shower? You, you had such a good funk going on there. So there you go. So let's get into the book. Uh uh, how do we learn about the emotional, emotional circuits that we share with our pets? How do we get familiar with them and maybe understand them better? Because I think sometimes when maybe when people aren't feeling well, they'll tend to sh maybe shun their pets and be like, hey, leave me alone. I'm trying to I'm trying to work through my issues. And then maybe that hurts the dog's feelings or something. I don't know. Well, it probably does. And the dog probably wants to come up and yeah. cuddle and give you a little bit of 
a little comfort there. Yeah. They are, they they do that. Yeah. You know, you know the the two two ones that get talked a lot about are, of course, anger and fear, and those mm-hmm. have to do with threat. You know, if a threat is manageable, then you'll t- get tend to get angry, and I use that in a broad sense because anger can range from just irritation, you're stepping on my toes, to rage, and but it's just basically threat, and I, I want to take the threat out. Fear, the threat seems unmanageable, so I want to get away from it. You know, grizz- grizzly bear coming at me. You know, I want to mm-hmm. go the other way. And of course, fear can range from just apprehension to, you know, panic. And those are the two that we know the most of. Uh, Two that are kind of interesting, there's one called seeking. And that's if you look at any baby, uh, they want to explore the environment. You know, they're licking, they're chewing, they're feeling their way around the environment. And we have this desire to kind of want to know what's out there, which is why if you're in a room and somebody walks in, the first thing everybody does is they glance over there. And it's almost an unconscious kind of an urge to want to do that. In fact, let me back up and just talk about what emotions are. Uh, neuroscientists refer to them as affects. Mm-hmm. So an affect pushes you to want to do something. So the most basic ones are your sensory affects like heat, cold, uh, pressure. You know, you've been sitting too long. I want to move around. If I get cold, I want to get hot. Then you have uh, the homeostatic, the ones that have to do with balancing your body like hunger and thirst. You know, the uh-huh thirstier you are all of the philosophical stuff leaves your mind i just want to find something you know to quench yeah. my thirst just like, I, need to, I need to eat or someone will die and so emotions are kind of like the next level up and they push you to take care of some kind of a need so again anger fear threat uh this need to want to know what's out there again the basis of our curiosity um mm-hmm. And then uh, there's one called play, and it's interesting. The guy that did a lot of the the, the early research uh, in, in the modern era, uh, Panksepp, he was called the rat ticklers because he would tickle rats and stuff. But he found that he could turn off the upper part of their brain, and they still wanted to play. So it's a very deep-seated kind of a need to want to interact with people. Huh. And uh, I know, like my my great granddaughter, her favorite thing is tickle me. You know. <laughs> uh, and we still want to interact and play, and it's part of how social animals learn limits. You know? So you can be brainless and still want to play, basically. Exactly. According okay. to the mouse experiment. If you're a mouse, yes. That explains the people I know. Well, so, that's, yeah. that's, that's true. And again, it's you know you, you learn how to do too much by doing too much, right? And that's yeah, well, that's true. And, and, and then we interact that way. So, th- again, it's part of our social stuff. It turns out there's uh, a second fear circuit, and in babies we call it separation anxiety. Oh, yeah. And it's why we miss people when they're gone, especially once we bonded with them. Mm-hmm. And there's a complementary caring circuit that also later on develops in what they call the secondary emotions, like love, pride, you know, th- those types of things. Mm. So those are the seven ways. Oh, I, I forgot. The one that comes up in uh, during uh, adolescence, which is lust, right? Yeah. So, so it's not like these are paired with the seven deadly sins or something here. Well, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're kind of underneath there somewhere. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I know that lust part. I've been having that since I was a teenager, I think. Um, yeah, that's to, that, one, that one kicks up with those the hormones kind of activated. They do. They do. What's that about? Uh, so let me ask you this. I saw this really cool experiment where they, and I, I think it's a famous experiment you may have heard of, but they did a thing where they took babies and mothers uh, and they, they held babies up in front of their mothers, like a couple feet away. Uh-huh. And they, you know, the mothers would play with them. Hey, you know, I'll, I do the same thing with my dogs, but they did a thing where the mothers just went still face and didn't right. show any expression, didn't say right. anything and just were still faced. And they showed how just 
upset the kids got and yeah. freaked out and yeah. and how much we need that neurological yeah. exchange that yeah. probably yeah. plays into our emotions and security and everything else and i mean the kids would be looking around and freaking out and started screaming and yeah. writhing and and it was interesting to see the body language go between those two well and, and again it has to do with that that nonverbal communication you know that's an mm. infant's primary language they haven't yeah. learned language yet and so they're basically just like your dogs they're just picking up from all that nonverbal stuff that's going mm -hmm. on and, and, and they want that connection there is that desire that that caring circuit and then so the panic mm -hmm. circuit kicks in mm -hmm. so how do i how do i when those babies do that with me you know and i'm doing the nonverbal communication how do i communicate change your own diaper stop well, going poop on the floor that's when you hand it to the mother oh Okay, that's all right. All or right, or no, the dad. Note to self, hand off baby to someone else or, uh, <laughs> yeah, stop putting the hose on them. And child services says you can't do it anymore. Uh, I'm just kidding. Don't do that, people. That's a joke. We do jokes on the show. It's a comedy bit. Uh, <laughs> so there you go. Um, so this is interesting. You know, I, I, it took me a long time to kind of realize there was that emotional link and emotional sort of connection between my dogs and stuff um I, I think a lot of people maybe struggle with that maybe they don't really understand the dog's role or you know pet's role in that well you know they become uh, a substitute uh for a person in terms of affections you know that, that's why yeah. people love their pets so much you know that they, they give you unconditional love unconditional love dog. As opposed to everyone else in my life who is yeah. like, if you have money, we give you love. Yeah, yeah. It's very and, conditional. It's and very we, transactional, actually. In fact, it's interesting because out of those three things that make people happy, number mm -hmm. one by far is relationship. Mm. Having you know a, a, a deep uh, connection with somebody else. When you think about it, that's one of the things that people are often missing nowadays. You know, I got 500 Facebook friends but I don't have anybody I can really be real with. Yeah. yeah. There's nobody showing up to my funeral from any of that group. Yeah. 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 My, my, my favorite uh, Jewish proverb is, is I want uh, seven people that or six people that aren't looking at their watches <laughs> carrying my casket. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They're, they're just, my pets will probably be the ones carrying my casket. They'll just yeah. hook them to a sleigh and the Huskies will pull them down to the cemetery or something. Although I think I'm set to be uh, cremated because I'm not leaving enough money behind for my inheritance people to get anything. So they're just going to, they're just going to have a bonfire back really. Yeah. And just kind of leave it at that. And uh, it's going to be more like a funeral pyre. Cause they're just gonna be like, screw that guy. But hopefully they bring marshmallows. I don't know. That's kind of weird. Uh, so discover ways to quiet, destructive, emotional triggers is another thing you talk about in the book. Right. Uh, help people with that. Because I mean, that's, there's, there's a lot of people getting triggered now on social media. Well, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give some simple examples, but first let me say with people, the answer, I used to tell my clients, the answer is always E and in multiple choice questions, that's the, all of the above, right? Oh, and everybody's always looking for, tell me the one thing I can do. So everything's going to be wonderful. <laughs> and oftentimes you got to do multiple things. Uh, oh. Wonderful. Right. But with simple triggers, um, like one of the examples I give in the book is a couple of people that are on a plane that's get hit by lightning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very scary event. So the next time they get ready to get on a plane, there's some anxiety there. You know, it's, yeah. kind, of, it's kind of a form of PTSD, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, one person gets to where they can fly. The other person can't. 
Mm-hmm. And the person getting it, who can fly does what I call uh, what's happening, what's real, and then you distract yourself. So what's happening is I've got some anxiety because of that last fright, flight. Okay. Uh, nothing really actually happened to me. You know, they, again, what's real is I was safe. We landed, you know, and I'll probably never experience this again. Okay, now let me distract myself with what I need to do. So it's kind of a thing that you can use for a lot of simple triggers. Uh, I had one gal who uh, had a employer who resembled her, her um, uh, abusive parent. Mm-hmm. And so she was getting all triggered by him when she'd go to office. And so we use that same idea. You know, what's happening is, you know, he looks like my parent, sounds like my parent. What's real is he's not. He's just my boss. We're just going to talk about, you know, the weekly schedule. And over time, she was able to, to desensitize and actually become friends with him. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's the thing with, with negative triggers is you can desensitize to them. And desensitization mm-hmm. just simply means getting used to something. Uh, the first job you had, you were nervous. You weren't sure about stuff. But after a while, it's just a job, right? Yeah. You go to your next job. There's a lot of anxiety. You're not sure. But after a while, you desensitize to it. And it's just the next job, right? Mm-hmm. Same thing with you know marriage and all kinds of other stuff, right? Uh, you desensitize. And you get used to things. Uh, yeah. You, you look at things that go like on in an, an operating room or something, things that people get desensitized to, you know, a medical personnel, mm-hmm. uh, because it's just something they're dealing with every day. So you can learn to do that. And the person who did not desensitize, the big key is the self-talk. I mean, their thoughts were things like, oh, my gosh, what if that happens again? What if a plane crashes? What if, you know, what if it's the end of my life? Oh, this is terrible. I can't stand it. And, you know, that type of self-talk, of course, reinforces the trigger. Mm. And uh, eventually that person. Probably the emotional aspect of that, right? They start cycling the emotions. Well, exactly. The negative self-talk gets all those emotions going, and, and, and it reinforces that association in the brain you know, of, of danger with planes. And so mm-hmm. it just, the, the trigger gets stronger and stronger. Yeah. yeah it, you know, one, one of the interesting things about emotions is they're the way that your brain indexes information. Mm. So the brain is always making associations from the time you're born mm-hmm. and things that are positive get kind of a, a positive emotional tag mm-hmm. to it. And things that are negative get a negative tag, which is why experiential learning is more valuable than just simple book learning. I can read everything there is to know about reading about driving a car and I can be an expert on driving a car, but until I get behind the wheel, Oh my gosh, that didn't work. Oh, this feels good. You know, now the brain can start associating that information with some, with with the emotional triggers or emotional tags and eventually take it on as an automatic response pattern. So let me ask you this about what you referenced earlier, where people, you know, start, operating in the now and the present it sounds like that's a very logical approach where you're you're logically telling yourself hey calm down with your emotions here's our present here's what's really happening do you find that both women i mean men we can deal with logic and reason pretty well especially if we're based in our masculine do you find that women have have a harder trouble because women are usually based and filter everything through their emotion um do you find that they have a harder time making that logical recognition or is or is it a logical sort of it, 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 it it's it's pretty similar across board whenever you have strong emotion going on the logical part of your brain shuts down 
Okay. Which is why military, medical personnel, they train so that they don't have to think about it. They can mm -hmm. just act because of that. And that moment when there's all that adrenaline pumping and your emotions all are up, those frontal lobes aren't working really well. And so you have to have things memorized to do. Uh, and so like, like if you have a phobia, like a gal who has a water phobia, right, mm -hmm. uh, that I was working with, uh, as soon as she saw water, the thoughts just start racing. Oh, my gosh, water, I got to get away. Uh, you know, the emotions kick up. And so you have to slow that down and reconnect or reactivate that thinking, that rational part of the brain, so that you can go through that desensitization process, you know. Mm -hmm. So in her case, you know, her brothers used to tell her that they're piranhas in the water, they're going to eat her toes. And so, you know. <laughs> You know, siblings provide therapists with a lot of work. So, uh, oh, is that is that what the cause of it is? <laughs> a, a lot of times. Uh, anyway, so you know, so we started out with you know, gave her some relaxation, you know, techniques, gave her you know some uh, coping self statements, and, and and basically the what's happening, what's real. Okay, what's happening is you know, this is a condition response pattern from when my brothers told me those stupid things. They were never piranhas. I was always safe. I'm safe now. And just start sitting next to the pool, right? Mm -hmm. And eventually get where she's, you know, got sitting some, for some time with her feet in the pool and then eventually getting into the pool all the time managing the anxiety, you know, in a gradual way. And you can actually desensitize to anything through that process. I, I've taken so many people through uh, different types of fears and phobias just through that process of gradual desensitization, managing the anxiety mm -hmm. so that they eventually get comfortable in that situation. But so, some point, some point in time, you got to you got to actually face it. So, so you might as well just face it. And, you know, it's a is it the you know you fall off a horse, you get back on sort of concept. Well, the, the idea is the only way you know you can do something is by doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so like, maybe for hate of snakes, you just need to go play with some. I mean, play with some. You know, well, and, and again, you do it in a gradual way. You might yeah, start across the room with okay. a snake in a container and eventually get closer to it and uh -huh. touch, you know, that type of stuff. And pr so, probably don't use a rattlesnake, right? So, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah that's probably a good idea. Uh, note to self stop using the rattlesnakes to reprogram the employees. Um, there's been some complaints yeah. uh, and some charges. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you mentioned something that was really interesting to me that made me change a paradigm in my head. You said that our, the, the, the way we use, we use emotions and, and maybe emotional, I, I don't have it exactly. The emotions, um, emotional tags on your memories. It's the way your yeah, index Index, there you go. We create yeah. a library of indexes. Yeah. And I, I love that. I never thought of that that way. Boy, I've got a hell of a library going on there. Well, well, you see it when you use uh, modalities like uh, eye movement, desensitization, where where you're dealing with a particular traumatic thing, and then mm -hmm. the person will have a cascade of memories, which logically are very unconnected, but on an emotional level, they're connected. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting how that works up. Now, uh, this probably plays into what one of our guests or one of our uh, listeners, G1 Red Crypto. Thanks for the comment. You don't really remember things that don't have an emotional charge associated. Uh, so I think what he's implying is sometimes we may not remember those emotional things. Maybe we have a trauma that we've kind of buried in our subconscious because it's too much to deal with or something. Is that well, you, 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 Oh, yeah. I mean, people do that all the time. And mm -hmm. you, know, you see that most often like with childhood stuff, uh, especially, uh, you know, a child is not able to process the emotion like an adult so a lot of times they'll just you know stick it over there and get on with life and yeah 
which is why a lot of times that stuff comes up when you get older, uh, because now the brain is ready to start processing some of that stuff and dealing with it. Is that why? Mm-hmm. And so that's why it starts to come back to you after you've, you've buried it, it, it away. It, may, it doesn't have to, but a lot of times. I mean, sometimes you don't necessarily have to process everything. So, Huh. You know, that, that really explains a lot of things. You know, you, you, you people, you know, they, for, they seem to forget about their trauma. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back to them in later life. And they're like, why is this coming up now? And, you know, they're questioning their sanity. And maybe you're questioning their sanity going, you know, yeah. how come this is suddenly appearing now? But that, that would explain it that maybe you finally reached a point where your mind thinks, okay, they could maybe deal with this. Yeah, you know, 20s is a very common time because, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in grade school, you know, like I said, your brain is just not wow. able to deal with it. Adolescence, you got all that adolescence BS stuff you're dealing with, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> and so 20s, things are starting to settle down. So a lot of times that's when a lot of yeah. stuff will come back. And when you're a child, you, I mean, you'd have no way of processing half the stuff no. that comes at you, no. you know, and if your parents are, uh, you know, there's, there's issues in your parents' relationship or there's, um, you know, high toxic environments that, that, you know, you're not feeling secure basically is what I'm trying to say. You're just um, trying to, you're trying to find some behaviors to survive in that environment. It almost kind of reminds me when, you know, cause we've had people on that have talked about toxic environments with their parents, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's fighting or divorce or, you know, maybe they had an alcoholic father and, and, you know, an abusive mother or, or you know, just the, the two of them were at it. And it kind of reminds me now of, of that baby that I remember that we talked about on the show, who's, who's looking at the mother and can't get that security from the mother. It's kind of the same sort of situation where the child is still looking for that security yeah. and that balance, a healthy, some sort of environment. And they're not getting it because it's toxic. And, and and these emotional wow. circuits, they're, they're not exactly the same for every person, and they do get affected by development. And mm-hmm. just like some people are better at math, some people are better at throwing a baseball or whatever, you know, your circuits vary for people. You know, circuits in a social path really? are different from the average person. So and some I, people might get impacted from a trauma experience more so than other people. Yeah. So, so like loss. Some people take loss more strongly than others. Yeah. Huh. Uh, you know, or some people have a higher level of curiosity than others, you know? Yeah. Some people like to play more than others. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I've yeah. seen those people yeah, I'm trying to get them to go to work uh, and do their job. I know. Yeah. We have yeah, those around the, the office. There's an interesting experiment with uh, babies that came out of Eastern Europe where they were never touched and, or held, you know, the, the bottle yeah, yeah, the would be changed. And mm-hmm. so they had what are called attachment disorder. And it's like th- those caring circuits uh, shut down. In fact, mm. one of the one of the ways that they measured that or got an indication is uh, uh, oxytocin is one of the uh, hormones that seems to be associated with that network. Mm. And so you take a mother who has a birth child and they play this a, a toddler who's watching a little video game, mm. and the oxytocin levels just go through the roof. Wow. With these babies, it would just stay flat. Huh. So it's kind this of sounds like something my uh, girlfriend's yeah. accused me of. Um, <laughs> do, do you find that contributes to narcissism? Well, you know, a lot of this stuff we t- we talk like we know what's going on, but <laughs> we, we don't know. <laughs> Wait, you're the doctor who wrote the book. Well, you, you know, it's we use these computer analogies, all this other stuff, and, and there's so much we don't know about the brain. You know, That's even true. these circuits. You know, we, we know that they're there. The details on it are very fuzzy right now. Well, I can agree with you. There's so much we don't know about the brain. Sometimes I just sit and look at people and go, 
Yeah. What the fuck happened? Y'all got me so stupid. Yeah. Um, so there you go. But no, this is really interesting. You give me a couple new paradigms to think about. Um, I just barely seen that baby video, I don't know, about a month or two ago or something. Uh-huh. And it really like I was just like, holy crap, just watching the baby really start losing it. Um, and it's just a baby, you know, yeah. and you're like, wow, I they really are, are more advanced than they should, uh, than than I would than I guess I thought they were. But, well, and, and and they're working on that kind of that nonverbal, mm-hmm. you know, level. And again, their emotions are driving them to take care of needs, you know, threat, mm-hmm. loss, uh, connection, uh, social interaction. You know, all that stuff is kind of going on. But it's there's not not the mental process, you know, the mental higher thinking processes to to manage it. Yeah. Because o- over time, your 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 thinking part of your brain is supposed to be kind of the executor overseeing that mm-hmm. emotional network. Although if they have a very strong association or trigger, it can overwhelm your thoughts. Wow. Anybody, so, anybody who's in love can tell you that. That's right. Yeah, that's true. That six, six months later, you look and say, who is this person? Or, or in lust for that matter. Uh, yeah. yeah. We've seen that movie too. Um, so now people that, uh, one thing that people have that have trauma, whether they recognize it or not, or know it or not, you know, some of that subconscious we talked about, they tend to react to different things, overreact to different things, like right. uh, gaslighting. Because you know, if they if it's a trust trauma, if if you gaslight them, if people lie to them, um, they tend to highly overreact um, and uh, and and have trouble dealing with it. Sometimes they don't understand why. Uh, I guess that's another way that they can try and identify, you know, what why they're overreacting or or um, well. Or, the, 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 and again, there's a couple parts of that. Uh, yeah, again, some of that time sometimes is tri- the triggers we were talking about. There's mm-hmm. things in the other person that trigger associations. Uh-huh. Uh, and people who come from a really dysfunctional background, uh, they tend to go into relationships with the blinders on. Uh-huh. It's, it's interesting. You can take, let's say, a lady, and you can put her in a room with 15 guys. Uh, within you know 15 minutes or so, she's talking to the guys from dysfunctional backgrounds even though everybody is presenting well at that moment. Uh. And the reason is, again, this unconscious, subconscious communication. She gets around the people from positive, you know, healthy backgrounds. They have appropriate limits, you know, the appropriate emotion. That's how they feel funny. Mm-hmm. She gets around the people that come from similar backgrounds. Oh, it feels familiar. And again, everybody's presenting well at that moment, right? Yeah. And, and that's they're still I, somehow picking up on the toxic subconscious well, it's not so much the toxic, the, the healthy feels funny. It's kind of like when I was working with panic disorder, uh, I, I routinely give people a relaxation response uh, mm-hmm. program to listen to. And a lot of times it would make them anxious at first because oh, the feeling right. of anxiety or relaxation was just so foreign to them. Huh. And, and, and I know when I've worked with uh, people from dysfunctional backgrounds, and you know, one of the things I try to get them to do is, okay, you need to find one or two healthy people and hang around them for a while. Because all of their friends usually come from the same type of background, right? Mm. We surround our people, ourselves with people that usually feel similar to the what we're familiar with, right? Yeah. And, and so, can you can you learn to disassociate? Let's say oh. you're the the one challenge I, that I know, uh, especially women have, is if they they go to what they know. So they will if if they're used to abusive relationships, usually from father relationship, they'll stick to those relationships. I've been guilty of the same thing. My mom said to me once, she's like, why do you always pick these awful women that, that are just messed up? 
And and I I'm like I don't know. Well, you're picking with the wrong emotional circuit. There you go. There you go. And <laughs> it's sometimes that, it's that lust circuit, right? Sometimes trauma uh, or the, yeah. Yeah, the lust circuit. Yeah, there's that too. Um, yeah. But uh, so you can disassociate that by just well, kind it's, of, it's 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 more you you learn to desensitize to healthy. Huh. And so I would have them identify one or two people that are, come from healthy backgrounds and just hang around them. And of course, the first complaint they would have is these people are so boring. Yeah, they're boring. There's because, absolutely no, you know, no a lot drama. Of women are like, I want to go have fun. There's no drama in their life, right? There's no drama. You don't have the ups and downs, the roller coaster, right? But what, what if they hang around them for six months or so, what they find is that comfort feels really good because they're not used to feeling safe and comfortable yeah and so once you start to experience it like with the relaxation response wow this feels pretty nice i like this now isn't there a dopamine trigger though to the drama the high ups and downs well yeah kind of a drug addiction to that well yeah i mean we we are certainly into excitement in our modern life (laughs) yeah because i know there's some people they're they're so hooked on the excitement or for the attention and validation from men they can't get off it, especially with social media now. You know, yeah. this, this Instagram mentality now, the OnlyFans mentality, you see a lot of the attention and validation, desperation in the market. See, and that gets back to what we're talking about with happiness, that relationships, mm-hmm. having those deep uh, connection with another human being, that's really what gives you satisfaction long term. And mm-hmm. we don't understand that as a culture very well. That's not what our media you know, our movies and stuff don't show that. You know, the Indiana Jones guy, you know, that's kind of the ideal, right? But he always he always leaves him at the end, right? It's true. James Bond. Yeah, all, all those characters, right? That's my dating life. Um, there's something uh, G1 Red Crypto came in uh, as we were talking. This is kind of a fallback. Sometimes there are defense mechanisms they put in order to shield themselves from whatever gave them the trauma they begin with. Yeah, so, and def- defense mechanisms sometimes have a, a, a bad uh, name because they get overused. But defense mechanisms are there, are there for the very purpose to defend ourselves from being overwhelmed. Huh. So if I'm in an operating room, I need to be able to suppress my emotions and stuff so I can focus on what I'm doing. Yeah. But I need to also be able to then tune in later on and process whatever's going on in my life, right? And that's mm-hmm. the thing where defense mechanisms can sometimes be problematic. We live in such a comfortable area of the world, and you look around, most people still live in pretty harsh circumstances. So they they need to have fairly rigid should-must rules. They need to have fairly strong defense mechanisms just in order to survive. I mean, you look at what's going on in the Middle East. You look at what's going on, you know, in parts of Africa. You look at what's going on, you know, Kiev and stuff, you know. Uh, you don't have time to sit around and, you know, have a lot of touchy-feely feelings. Uh, you need to basically protect yourself. And so yeah, uh, you, total you survival to, mode. Yeah, you need you need to get pretty crusty. The problem again is when you get into an environment uh, where you don't need that anymore, but you're still acting that way. And th- that's that's the problem. Do you think that's uh, kind of the generational thing we've been going on from you know um Part of it is, yeah. yeah. I mean, my, my parents, my dad, he was World War II. He was in, yeah. you know. Uh, Tough he was as nails. In, oh, yeah. Well, he was over yeah. in before the war. Then he was in uh, Pearl Harbor and throughout the Pacific and stuff. And I, I remember uh, when I was in my counseling program, uh, you know, I was learning all the stuff. I was working on myself, you know, getting more in touch with my feelings and stuff. And I sat down with him at a table. 
And I said, you know, Dad, I know we never talked this way. I just want to let you know, you know, I, I really love you. And he looks at me and says, what are you trying to say? I don't know what I said. You know, and so, so I go through it a second time, and then it hits me. It's a level of communication he's just not capable. Of. Although he would, he 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 was just so generous. He you know he did so much stuff for me. You know, and, and he'd give you the shirt off his back. But that was just a level of communication that he didn't do. Yeah, that explains the generational sort of thing. You know, now we're almost too touchy feely. Where oh God, the kid might fall down and scar his knee. Let's build a yeah. Let's uh, arm him with start. You know, the helicopter parenting thing going on. Well, and I was reading a, a, an, an article on um, resilience the other day that was interesting because mm -hmm. it was talking about how one of the big crises right now is our kids don't have much resilience. They and don't. part of that is because, you know, I used to go out riding my bike. I could ride for 20 miles and come back home and, you know, do stuff and, you know. Yeah. In our in our in our day, they actually had to have a commercial that would tell parents uh, <laughs> are your kids? Uh, at ten o'clock. Do you know where your parents your kids are? And, and the parents would be like sitting there, I don't know, drinking and smoking. And they'd be like, "Well, we yeah. have kids. We have kids. Oh, yeah. shit, we we need to go find them." Evidently, TV says so. But kids kids don't have a lot of those opportunities. A lot of times, you know, the, yeah. the, it's 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 an interesting. I mean, we're we're latchkey kids. I mean, yeah. we. We know, I mean, we, we could, we could survive sustenance off of, uh, garden hoses and oh, yeah. Guys, you know, I, started, I started paper out in the like fifth that. grade. I, I worked yeah. paper routes for a long time. Uh, if I wanted to eat, I just went through yeah. people's garden cause they had it back then. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes we just stay out and, and, uh, yeah. you know, we, we test how long it would take for mom to come to the door and start screaming at us, you yeah. know, they, we, we were like, Hey, the street lights on. I wonder if, uh, I wonder if they're going to see the commercial. TV, well, dinner was always a big magnet so yeah that was always a thing there was mom was like you come for dinner I'm like oh, we've seen your cooking um so there you go uh now one thing you talk about in your book that i think is really pertinent we've touched on a little bit how to reduce the negative effects of social media and devices social media has really become this this it, it started as a Pandora's box where everyone opened it, and went, "Oh my God, we'll, we'll go on world, and everyone's gonna hug each other, and it's gonna be wonderful." And now it's like, Rah! and uh, yeah, and well, we're, uh, we're we're kind of like adolescents with it right now, you know? Aren't we? We're, 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 we're trying to learn what's the. I mean, because there's some really positive things about social media. Mm -hmm. My daughter, she did her masters over in England, and every Sunday we'd get on, you know, Zoom with her, and we talk with her, and that's mm -hmm. a great time. And, and yeah. I, I enjoy the internet, uh, but at the same time, I don't spend a lot of time on social media other than, you know, business related stuff. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's pretty toxic. They, they just had uh, Facebook or uh, all the, like, um, I think about 17 states here in America, they yeah. just sued Facebook and Instagram and they say that it harms children yeah. and it's damaging. I've seen a lot of people that are grown people that are so addicted, like I said, to the dopamine rush of getting attention and validation. Well, um, it's designed to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's yeah. why even in teaching, when I was teaching, they said you got to you got to shift activities every fifteen minutes, otherwise you lose their attention. You know, it's fifteen minutes. That even seems long. Well, I mean, that was the matter. Yeah. You, you could do a fifteen minute exercise or something. Okay, you had to move into something else, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, my, now it's my, the TikTok generation where it's yeah. thirty seconds. Well, you know, parents have to take control of it. I mean, they have some wonderful tools. They have tools where, you know, the internet will shut down at certain times and only mm -hmm. be active so kids oh. can't get into it. And then they uh, lose their mind, though. They're kind of 
Oh, mm-hmm. they they learn how to do stuff. Uh, my uh, my niece, uh, I remember when her kids were younger, she had a basket. You know, she wanted them to have a phone so that in case they needed to contact her. Yeah. But as soon as they came home, they had to put the phone in the basket. You know. Oh, really? And uh, I just give my kids pagers. Yeah. <laughs> I remember those. Remember those? Yeah. yeah. Right now, the Gen Z is going. What? What is it? Yeah. Well, I didn't take is that. No, it's a matter, you know, the saddest thing for me is to go out to a restaurant and see both parents on their phones and the kids on and their the device, kids. you yeah. know, and nobody's talking. It's a matter of realizing that you've got to take control of this stuff and, you know, you've got to manage it in a wise way. Uh, I mean, even with our great granddaughter that I'm watching, you know, we limit how much time she has on, on stuff. Oh. Uh, I mean, she likes to watch, look at the uh, little, uh, the uh what do you call it? the um, uh tablet mm-hmm. and we, we give her you know we give her a half hour before nap time and so she's there looking at I her mean, little cartoony stuff you know i mean maybe the thing is you've got to give them other stuff to do like exactly. my dad would probably have been like turn off the twitter and go mow the lawn and you're like well, oh, well yeah, my thing with my kids was you know you know they come and they say i'm bored i say you know boredom is good because people get wonderfully creative when they're bored huh? now if not i have some chores for you to do ah there you go oh, we'll go <laughs> find something to do then see my my parents you know yeah. our, our latchkey parents yeah. would just throw us out in the environment and be like survive motherfucker see you at dinner yeah. and uh you know we stand at the door of the world going what do we do with all this crap uh fuck it we'll figure some out um yeah, and like that, I, said, I, I I had the paper out. I had animals to tend to and stuff. So. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I, it's, it's interesting because like farm kids mm-hmm. have a much better self uh, image than non farm kids. Really, and it's because they are required in order for the family to survive and yeah. to do well. You know, so they have a positive role within the family. And you know, it, this whole self esteem thing is is like. It's more self-image, right? It's a, it's a little piece of your self-image. And the way you learn to have a positive self-image is by being competent. Hmm. And, and doing things. Why, yeah, and that's why chores are so important. Wow. Yeah, yeah the average, chores. Yeah, the average kid has to make their bed and take the garbage out, and they don't do those two things, right? Oh God, the horror. Dude, I've seen some of these helicopter parents. They would yeah. wipe the kid's ass at 19 yeah. if they yeah. if they could. Um, it's just no, our, extraordinary. Our, no, our, our kids, we, we had a lot of chores for them. And uh, I remember even my, my daughter, when she wanted a phone in her room. Uh, and so I said, okay, let's go take the little wiring off one of the phones, see how to how it's connected. Now you go in your room, you wire it up. And, you know, we did things like that. Wow. And she Boy. was wonderfully competent when she went out to college. She reported you to the CPS. So. <laughs> well, nowadays, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, nowadays they might do that. Like, hey, hey you, you abused us. How, how do they abuse you? They, yeah. they made us use a wired phone. Yeah. No, it's, like, it's like I said earlier, like, you know, if you didn't want to participate in helping with dinner, fine. We'll see you for the next fine. meal. Yeah. That's and, a, that's you know, my son only missed one meal. <laughs> that's all you need. You, you learn really quick. They're like, hey, these people are freaking serious. They're not going to put up with my crap. And you can do that without being overly harsh. You know? Yeah. I do that with my dates. Um, So there you go. But I I like this. You know, more and more parents need to realize how dangerous and addictive it is. Uh, The addiction to the the dopamine, the attention, the validation. I think it hurts women more. They say young women are suicidal. Um, They're, you know, part of it is the FOMO. They see, you know, there's. Yeah, that fear of missing out. And and especially, you know, they're more sensitive, I think, to the. uh, 
some of how mean kids can be. Oh yeah. I mean, and women are vicious to each other just on the face of it. I mean, you, you, and then, you know, the social media fakeness, the, you know, you, you have these influencers run around that present themselves, you know, they're making millions, billions, and then you find out they've been just running scams and they're going to jail. Uh, But but even your friends, you know, everybody's living a better life than I am. (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, because that's all you see on the internet, right? Yeah. You, you you, You don't see the bad, bad stuff. Yeah. Plus you, yeah, you don't see the, you know, no one ever, my friend, I remember there was a four square back where everyone would check in for mayordom and yeah. my friend says, yeah, no one ever checks in on four square, um, uh, at the methadone clinic at the yeah. AA clinic. No yeah. one ever checks in at the rehab clinic. No one ever yeah. checks in at the pawn shop or the yeah. police station. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's always when you're out to dinner at an expensive place or, you know, you're someplace nice. Um, you know, even with social media, you know, they have like in LA, they have sets that you can go to that are cutaway sets of a private plane that you, there are stages. You can go pay, I think it's like 129 bucks and you can make it look like you can take these photographs. Like you're in a private plane, you're living the life and they have champagne there and you can do the whole photo and it's a set. It's, it's a little, you go to some office building and you know, it's a cutaway set and you know, they're taking the pictures and, and people believe it, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. there's people who built whole lives. Uh, hey, I'm wearing all these diamonds here on you know, this diamond watch. And, yeah. you know, that's, it's all fake. And, you know, it's, it's interesting and people believe it. And then they'll have these cars and, you know, they'll have the expensive cars. And then turns out they just been scamming people or running like crypto scams or something. Uh, it's just extraordinary. People are starved for real relationship. That's what it is. You know, that's why a lot of these weekend programs and stuff are so successful. I remember back when S first came out, way back way, you know, in the 70s and 80s. You know, you, you give people an intense experience of intimacy, and, man, you got them. You can drain all the money you want out of them. Is that the that explains Tony Robbins then maybe uh, and those firewalk things and they have yeah you know, I've because, seen people you, that are addicted you, to motivation programs you you give them that 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 connection that feeling of connection and you mm-hmm. know intimacy and meaning and man you get get all kinds of money wow well that explains scammers and people people have less intimacy now more than ever in the market so they well, probably used to be more susceptible. Well, yeah, you know, it used to be, you know, you had your village or you had your block, you had your, you know, your extended family, you had all kinds of people that you could go to and you could talk to about problems and stuff and connect with. And nowadays people can go through their entire day without a single real connection with another person. Yeah. And people are very isolated now. Yep. Um, and that isolation is what makes people weird, you know, quite frankly. And And they, and you feel like you're not isolated, you know, like I got my wife and my kids. Well, you're, you're substituting excitement. You're substituting sex. You're substituting other things for what you really want, which is again, that connection with another, with another human being. Wow. Or your your dogs, you know, (laughs) explains a lot of relationships that I've seen and marriages I've seen actually, uh, you know, uh, and everything else, you know, connection, um, is everything. And I guess if you're in a marriage, you're not looking at each other and you're not having that facial body language sort of interaction, you know, you're ignoring each other. You're like, uh, what do you want, honey? I don't know. Whatever you want. 
mm-hmm. um, you know, you're probably going to have problems. So this explains a lot of things. Uh, give us your final thoughts as we go out. We've discussed a lot of really cool things that you have in your book and your perspectives change the paradigms in the way I think about some things. So I love it. Yeah. Uh, give us your final thoughts and pitch on the book as we go out. Well, the, the book is, you know, like I said, takes you on a journey. If you want to know about what emotions are, why you have them, and how to manage ones that are causing problems in your life, it's got a lot of a lot of good stuff in there that can help you. There you go. Uh, give us your .coms too, Renault, so people can find you on the interwebs. So whyemotions.com, uh, whyemotion.com, uh, whyemotion.com, and you can find my connections to my YouTube channel, to the books. Uh, I've got some freebie stuff there. Uh, everything you need to know about me is right there, whyemotion.com. There you go. Thank you very much, Renault, for coming on. We really appreciate it, man. It's been a great show. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks to our audience for tuning in. I hope you guys learned some as well. If you didn't, go back and watch the damn show already again because uh, repetition is good. Uh, thanks to our audience for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Foss, and Chris Foss, one on the tickety talkie. Order up wherever fine books are sold. Came out May 2nd, 2023. Why you feel the way you do. Understand and heal the source of stressful emotions. Maybe get uh, enough copies here since it's coming up on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Bill, out to all your family you're going to be seeing here at your family reunion soon and maybe you can get them to be less psychotic over uh thanksgiving dinner as well that might help everyone there you go great christmas present great christmas present give it away to everyone you know maybe those people that are really high stress thanks for tuning in be good to each other stay safe and we'll see you guys next time Mm -hmm. and that's